Well, let me encourage you, if I can, to go ahead and grab your Bible or grab a Bible from the seat back around you and turn with me to Psalm 103, right in the middle of the Bible. We're, we're in the midst of a series in the Psalms here this summer at Shades. If you're, if you're new to Shades, we're so glad you're joining us here today. So, so thankful for those who are joining us online as well. And we're gonna walk through a Psalm in its entirety today, Psalm 103. And as you're, as you're turning there, uh, I do want you to know what's gonna be happening over the next couple of weeks. Next, next week, we're gonna wrap up our series in the Psalms. We're going to observe the Lord's Supper together, something that we, we love to do as a church, love when we have the opportunity to join together in the celebration that reminds us of what Christ has done through the cross. And then on the, the following week, uh, two weeks from now, we're going to step back into a series in 1 Peter where we, where we were in the spring. So we're going, to, we're going to finish the book of 1 Peter throughout the fall. And we also will begin a 21-day prayer focus with coinciding with the, the new school year. So I just want you to know where we're going over the next couple of weeks. I want you to be praying for us as a church as you think about the way things ramp back up in a new school year and a new season. Let's be praying that God would use this time in a, in a powerful way. And I wanna invite you to join us in that very specific 21 day prayer focus that will begin in a couple of weeks. We'll share some more information with you about that. But today, Today we're in Psalm chapter 103, and I, I want to read just the first two verses to get us started here this morning, and then we're going to make our way through this psalm in its entirety. But the first two verses show us something that we just sang, and then challenge us to think about the things we're thinking about. Think about what you're thinking about. That's, that's what we're going to see here in Psalm 103. Be intentional with the things you're thinking about. This is the word of the Lord. And what we do each week here at Shades Mountain is we stand for the reading of God's word at the beginning of the message. So I'd like to invite you to do that now with me. We stand together because the word of God is the foundation we stand upon. As the people of God, as a church of Jesus Christ, we believe that the Bible, the word of God, is the strong, sure foundation underneath our feet. It is what God has given to us as a gift to show us what he says is right and good and true. So we stand on the unchanging word of God. And this is what we see in Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We just sang those words. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And then verse two. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits because we are prone to forget the word of God reminds us to think about what we're thinking about. Let's invite the Lord now as we pray to come and meet us in our thoughts, in our heart, to come and meet us in this place as his spirit moves among us that we would hear and see what he desires for us to hear and see today. And then we'll be seated. Let me pray for us. Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus. I am so grateful for every individual that is joining us here today. Lord, I know that, that you have a specific reason why they're here. 
And so I pray as we turn our attention to your word that you would show us. Show us what we need to see. There is so much going on in this fast-paced world that we live in. There there are so many voices fighting for our attention, so many things uh, that are coming into our mind. Lord, please show us what you want us to see. Help us to think deeply about what you say. And I pray, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would not be the same because of who you are and what you have done. So we commit this time to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. So Megan and I and our family, we just moved McKenna, our oldest, back into college this week. It was an emotional time for us, but we're so thankful for for what God's doing in her life in this season. But she's the oldest of our four kids. And, and, and two of our other children are also teenagers. High school, we're going to have a junior and a sophomore. And then Everett, who's sitting down front, he's going into middle school. So we're in a new season of life. Elementary school is behind us. Praise be to God. But now that means we've got these, these young adults, these teenagers all around us all the time. Teenagers everywhere. And because of that, because we have teenagers all around us all the time, I, as a father, am given many opportunities, almost daily opportunities, to say this question What were you thinking? I look at their room, I walk into their room. What were you thinking? Thinking, I hear about what they just did with their boys, you know, at at midnight the night before. What were you thinking? Because teenagers, you know, often just do some fun, goofy, crazy things without thinking at all, right? And so, so that statement is intended to say, why don't you think? Why don't you start to think? Think about some things. And here we are in a psalm. It says to us, stop and think about what you're thinking about. Stop and think about what you're thinking about. Because the psalmist knows, this is a psalm of David. King David knows how prone we are to forget. How prone we are to to dwell on things that actually take us away from what's best. How prone we are to get so caught up in in the here and now and all the things that are happening in our lives and all the things that are happening around us in our culture and our world and lose sight of the things that matter most. And so right out of the gate in this psalm as King David is is inviting us into a, a, a time of worship. This is a call to worship. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's what David's saying. He's saying, I want, I want to bless the Lord. I want to worship the Lord. I want to be grateful to God for who he is and what he's done. And as he says it, right out of the gate, he says, forget not. Because we're so prone to forget. Forget not who God is. Forget not what God has done. Because regardless of how 
how many blessings we've received from God, regardless of how many benefits we've received because of what Christ has done, regardless of all that God has done for us, it is so easy for us to very quickly become consumed with the things we don't have, with the things that are not going the way we want it or the things that frustrate us, or the things that disappoint us, or or the things that have let us down. And it's so easy for us to lose sight of all that we have been given. It's interesting, every time research backs up what the Word of God says, and research shows that while there's a lot unknown still about the human mind and the way the mind processes thoughts and how many thoughts enter a human mind, research does show that thousands upon thousands of thoughts hit the human mind every single day. And of those thoughts that hit the human mind, of those thousands upon thousands of thoughts that go through your mind and mine, the majority of the thoughts that we think, they're actually negative thoughts. Isn't that interesting? We spend more time thinking about our fears and our failures. We spend more time thinking about our doubts and our insecurities. We spend more time thinking about our regrets and our disappointments than we do spending time thinking about the incredible blessings and benefits that we have been given by a God who loves us and who calls us to something greater. And so the psalm says, forget not. Think about what you're thinking about and remember who God is and what he has done. The great British theologian and preacher of the 1800s, Charles Spurgeon, once preached a sermon on this text, Psalm 103, and this is what he said about our thoughts. It's very helpful. He says, memory is, a very, is very treacherous about the best things. Memory is very treacherous about the best things. By a strange perversity engendered by the fall, it treasures up the refuse of the past and permits priceless treasures to lie neglected. It is tenacious of grievances and holds benefits all too loosely. It needs spurring on to its duty, though that duty ought to be its delight. Observe that he, the psalmist, calls all that is within him to remember all the Lord's Benefits because we are so prone to wander, because we are so prone to forget, the word of God says, Forget not the benefits of our God. Dwell on these things. Think about what God has done. Be intentional to think about what you're thinking about and invite the gifts of God, the blessings of God, the benefits of God to guide your thoughts because when the blessings, benefits and and gifts of God guide your thoughts, it leads you to a posture of worship. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, for all that you have done. With all that I have, I wanna bless your holy name. The word of God time and time again calls us to examine our thoughts, to consider what we're thinking, to remember, to pay attention to what matters most. We see this all throughout the scripture. The the apostle Paul, this is one of the central themes of his teaching as he he calls the church to, to, to remember and to think about what you're thinking about. Let me give you a couple of examples of that and then we'll dive into Psalm 
103. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 is the first place I would turn your attention. In the, the letter to the church in Corinth, the apostle Paul writes this, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war uh, according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Listen to this. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion arrays against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. This is so important as we, as we think about our thinking. The apostle Paul is saying here, divinely inspired by the word of God, that there is a battle that is being fought over your thoughts, in your thoughts, every single day. And there's an enemy of God. The devil, Satan, Lucifer is what he is called, Beelzebub, he is the father of lies. He is called the great deceiver, the great schemer. Please don't miss this. He loves to whisper. He loves to whisper. He loves to whisper. And his hope is that the whispers eventually take root and become so loud that they become a stronghold. So the Apostle Paul says, but you need to know, church, you need to know. As the enemy is listening or whispering, as the enemy is deceiving, as the enemy is lying to you, even attempting at times to use the word of God, twisted, perverted, turned against you, that's what the enemy loves to do. If your thoughts are rooted and grounded in the truth of God's word, strongholds can be destroyed. You see, you need to understand that as the enemy whispers, please don't miss this, the Holy Spirit of God also whispers. He whispers the truth. He whispers the good news. He, he whispers what God has done. And, and listen, this is so important, church. One of the main ways that the Holy Spirit of God whispers the truth into your life, into mine, is through the word of God. This is why we need the word of God. This is why we say the word of God, not the opinions of man, not the opinions of a pastor. The word of God is the foundation on which we stand. Because when the enemy whispers lies, the Spirit of God whispers truth. What are you thinking about? What are you listening to? And when you know the truth, when the truth is your foundation, and that lie creeps into your thoughts, you take that thought captive, you bring it to the foot of the cross, and you remember what Christ has done. Think about what you're thinking about. There's a battle for our thoughts and our mind every day. Think about what you're thinking about. Are you, are you listening to the, the whispers of the lie or are you listening to the whispers of truth? The Apostle Paul goes on to say it this way in the book of Philippians, and I love this, because he actually tells us what to think about and dwell upon. Philippians chapter four, verses eight and nine. Think about your thinking. Paul writes, finally, brothers, 
Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of, of praise, think about these things. What am I supposed to think about? Here, here it is. Think about these things. Think, think about what God has done. Think about what, what's worthy of praise. Think about what is true. Think about what is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, of any excellence. Think about what God has done. Forget not his benefits. And then verse 9, it says, And when you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Do, you. do you want to experience peace in this life? Yeah, I know I do. Think about what God has done. Because then when you're in the midst of a difficult season, you remember the provision of God, the faithfulness of God. And that's where Psalm 103 is such a gift because King David is going to walk us through a little journey of, of remembering the benefits of God. That's what we see in this psalm. So let's go, let's go dive right back in. Psalm 103, there, there's, there's three different categories here. I'm gonna to try to break this psalm into that are blessings for those who trust him. Three different things that we're called to remember. And the first one is the provision of God. We're called to remember the provision of God. Psalm 103, beginning in verse two, again says this, bless the Lord, O my soul, Forget not all his benefits, and here, and here David begins to list them, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Remember the provision of God. Forget not his benefits. And specifically, David is showing us here the provision of God in the gift of salvation. Remember the provision of God in the gift of salvation. David's talking about forgiveness. He's talking about being redeemed. He's talking about being pulled out of a pit of darkness or despair. He's talking about being called a new creation. He's talking about the righteousness and the justice of God. This is the gift of salvation. And I really hope you hear this. This is very personal for King David. I know, I know many of you spend time in the Bible, but I also know that many of you are relatively new to the Bible and King David is a very prominent figure in the word of God for a lot of different reasons. It's through the lineage of David that, that, that the Messiah, Jesus, is, is born. It's, it's through the leadership of David that the people of God experience great fruitfulness and flourishing. He, he's a tremendous king, and God uses his life in incredible ways. You know, this is the, the, the one who was the shepherd boy who then killed the, the giant Goliath, and this is the shepherd boy who becomes the king to lead the people. And all of these great things are going on in David's life. He's called a man after God's own heart. But there's also a part of the story of David's life that's very dark, very painful. Maybe you've read this before, but David actually was a man that in the midst of all his wealth and all his glory and all his power, all his authority, 
He was just as vulnerable to temptation as anyone else might be. And one day he looks out from the rooftop of his palace and sees a beautiful woman and decides he wants that beautiful woman for himself, even though David already has family and that beautiful woman is married to someone else. David, as the king says, I'm going to use my power. He takes her. Her name is Bathsheba. He brings her to himself and he commits adultery with her. And then in an attempt to cover up what he's done, David calls for Bathsheba's husband, a man named Uriah the Hittite, who was a part of David's army, And he calls for Uriah to be sent to the front lines of a battle so that he will be killed. In an attempt to cover up the adultery, David commits murder. And this has devastating consequences on David's life. It has devastating consequences on David's family. And yet in the grace and mercy of God, God sends someone to challenge David, to call him out, which is not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to call out the king. God sends someone to, to call out the king, to confront him in his sin. And when this happens in the grace of God, David falls on the mercy of God. When he's finally called out, he is completely broken He's hit the bottom. He knows what it means to be in the pit and he falls on the mercy of God. He he cries out in repentance. He begs God to forgive him. And here's what's amazing. And this is what some of you need to hear today. Here's what's amazing. When David falls on the mercy of God, cries out in repentance and begs God to forgive him, do you know what happens? God forgives him. I want it to be simple. This is exactly what happens. When a broken man is aware of his sin, comes out of hiding, falls on the mercy of God, begs for forgiveness from God. Please don't miss this. The God of provision, remember the benefits, the God of provision provides the gift of salvation that that broken man needs. That's David's story. That's his, that's his testimony, if you will. And he shares this testimony in one of the most beautiful Psalms in all of the Psalms, Psalm 51. Turn, turn real quickly to Psalm 51. We're going to see this real quick. We'll go back to Psalm 103. Out of his sin, out of his shame, David becomes a new creation in the forgiveness and mercy of God. And that's available to you as well. Psalm 51, he says this, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, that's a big word for sin, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from all my sin. David declares his need for God. David throws himself on the mercy of God. He's aware of what he has done and he knows he can't fix it. And he asks God to forgive him. God hears his prayer. God forgives him. God responds 
And look at what David says in Psalm 51, beginning verse eight. Let me hear joy and gladness. Why does David say that? Because when I'm in the midst of my sin, joy and gladness, they become silent. David says, I want to hear joy and gladness. Again, he says, let the bones that you have broken rejoice. David's saying, it's, my sin was so heavy in my life. Some of you are feeling this even right now. My sin was so heavy in my life, David said, that it had physical implications on my life. It was like my bones were, were breaking. They were aching from the weight of my sin. It was like, it was like my, my insides were turning in knots because of the anxiety of the things that I've done. And David said, let the bones that you've broken, Lord, rejoice. I'm ready to be made new. I'm ready to be a new creation he says, God, hide your face from my sins, blot out my iniquities, and then create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me and restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. David's life is transformed by a God who provides the salvation he needs. This can be your story. I know, I know that it can be so hard at church to be honest, which is so ironic, but it's just true. I know that. And there are some of you right now, here today, you're holding on to stuff from the past that you're ashamed of, that you're embarrassed by, you don't want anyone to know, and you're thinking if they really knew, they might run me out of here. And you've questioned, can, can, can a God really save me? Can a God really love me because of what I've done? I, I know some of you are wrestling with that right now. It's creating tension in your life. It's creating tension in your heart. It may even feel physical for you because you've got this stuff back there that you're trying to keep hidden and, and, and yet you're wondering, can God really love me? Maybe, maybe you feel completely unworthy because of some choices you've made. If that's you today, will you allow the testimony of a broken man to point you to the provision of God's salvation? Will you allow the real life story of, of David's fall from grace into the pit, being rescued and restored back to the, the, the right relationship with God? Can, can you hear that story and recognize what God is offering you? The provision of God that was made for David in his need has been made for you. There is a God right now pursuing you with his love. His name is Jesus. He went to a cross to die for your sin and for mine. And if you will trust in him, he will redeem your life from the pit. He will forgive all your iniquity. He will create in you a clean heart, a new heart. He will restore you to right relationship with him. Forget not the benefits of the provision of God's salvation. 
It's available. Trust him. Remember what God has done. But then the psalm takes us to a place that I think can be challenging for us to hear, but that many of us need to hear. The psalm then takes us to a place where we see a different side of God than than many of us are willing to see at times. Let me explain what I mean by that. Many of us, because of maybe religious background or because of some things that have been done to us or said to us in the name of God or because of the way we've been treated by by someone who says they love God, it can be hard for us to to hear this side of God that the psalm is going to share with us beginning in verse 8. So before we even read it, I want to go back to a place in the history of the people of God, the nation of Israel, a place that we talked about last Sunday here at Shades, the place of the Exodus. You, you can read about this in the book of Exodus where the people of God have been in slavery in Egypt and, and the Lord hears their cries and the Lord responds and he sends the prophet Moses to lead the people out of Egypt into the promised land. But, but in doing so, he, he provides these amazing miracles to, to, to move Pharaoh, to allow Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, to let the people go. But even after those miracles happen, we talked about this last week, Pharaoh is furious that he's been embarrassed and, and that, that, that the Lord has moved in power among his people. And so Pharaoh sends his army after the people of God to destroy them once and for all. And that's when we see that amazing provision of God, that amazing gift of salvation where God parts the Red Sea, the people of God cross on dry ground and the sea closes on the army of Egypt. These incredible stories of God's provision, all the benefits of God, you might say. But then the people of God find themselves in the desert and they're in the desert for 40 years. And I don't know what you know about deserts, but the desert in the Middle East, it's, it's hot. It's hotter than Birmingham in July. It is hot. And it is really uncomfortable in the desert. And pe- people don't want to just spend time in the desert. So the people of God, they, they begin to get frustrated. This, this was not part of their plan. That 40 years in the desert, I mean, good night. And so they start to complain. And you see this pattern that develops for these 40 years. I'll just give you the Nose version of what happens. The people of God, they complain. God then provides. For a moment, the people are grateful. And then they complain again. So God provides. And for a moment, the people are grateful, but then they complain again. So God provides. And for a moment, the people are grateful, but then they complain again. Now, are you hearing the pattern? This is what we see for their time in the desert. Do you know why? Because no one wants to be in the desert. And when you're in the desert, it's easy to forget the incredible miracles that God provided to get you out of slavery, to lead you to a promised land. When you're in the desert, it's easy to forget that the Red Sea parted and you walked on dry ground. When you're in the desert, it's easy to go, God, I I, I don't think you're here anymore. Why have you let me down? 
I thought you were faithful. I know some of you are in the desert season right now where and you're worshiping, you're crying out to God. It's, it's a beautiful display of faith. But if we're honest, in the desert, it's where we have a lot of questions. And we may even start to, to shake our fists at God. And we may even start to go, hey, this was not what I wanted. And I never intended to be here. It's, it's really uncomfortable. It's really hot. This is, this is not where I want to be, And when you find yourself in that season, you're actually being invited to see another side of the blessings and the benefits of God. Forget not his benefits. And remember the provision of God in the midst of your need in the desert. That's what we see in Psalm 103, being in verse 8. Look at this. This is the side of God that we are invited to see because of the desert. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. Listen to this. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion for his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. The patience of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, provision of God in our time of need. God doesn't treat us the way our sins deserve. God, God didn't strike his people down because they kept complaining. He was merciful. He was gracious. He was kind. He loved them as a compassionate father. Do you know why? Because he was aware of all of their needs. He saw every need that they had and he knew that he was gonna to continue to be with them. He had compassion on them in their time of need. If you're in a desert right now, I know, I know it can be easy to forget the benefits of God. Please don't miss this. God knows what you need. He knows what you need. He knows every detail of what you're going through. He's merciful. His mercies are new every morning. And even if you didn't see this coming, and even if this wasn't what you wanted in this season in the desert, God is faithful. He has made provision in the gift of salvation. He has made provision meeting you in the midst of your need. Forget not his benefits. Think about what you're thinking about. And as you do, then remember the promises of God. Because that's where the psalm takes us next. And this is so beautiful, what King David does here. He invites us to remember the promises of God. And he actually gives us two specific promises to remember here in this text. Psalm 103 verse 14 says, For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field, for the wind passes over it and it's gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord 
is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Now this is a sermon in itself, but I'm I'm running out of time here this morning, so I want to be brief here, but I want to hit these two promises that David points to. The word of God is filled with promises of God. And God is faithful to fulfill every promise he has made. Forget not the benefits of his promises. Remember what God has done. Think about what God has said. Remember what God said he will do. Forget not his promises. Two promises that David mentions here in this text. This is so good, so beautiful. He says, look, this is a promise of God for you. This life is not all there is. This life is not all there is. We get so focused, so locked in, so consumed on what's happening today right in front of us. And and the word of God is saying, this life is not all there is. There is eternal life waiting for those of you who are putting your trust in God. Forget not his benefits. You, you know, it's very interesting here that the word of God talks about how short life is because we don't want to hear that. This isn't the only place the word of God talks about this. Life is short according to the scripture. We're a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. All flesh is like grass, alive today in the furnace tomorrow. The the, the word of God here in Psalm 103 says that, that we quickly become dust. And we live in a culture that that is obsessed with trying to to live forever. But the word of God wants us to understand how brief life truly is. Even though that's uncomfortable, the word of God wants us to live with an awareness of how, how quickly life is gone. Why? Why? Because the word of God wants us to put our hope in what will actually last. The word of God knows that we are so prone to forget the benefits of God and forget that there is life beyond this life for those who are in Christ. And the word of God knows that we are so prone to be fixated on the here and now and to put our hope in the things of this world. And so the word of God over and over again says, hey, this life is short. Don't have a misplaced hope. Don't put your hope in the things that will not last for eternity. Put your hope in the incredible promise that if you are in Christ, there is life beyond this life. And it is so much greater than anything that this life could offer. That's what the scripture says. I love what the apostle Paul says. I want to read this real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. Paul writes, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Now, just real quick. I know we're about done, but a little little crowd interaction here. How many of you, show of hands, know that the outer self is wasting away? Come on. Somebody testify, right? I mean, we moved our daughter into her dorm on Friday, three flights of stairs, Saturday morning. I could not get up. What's up with that? It's crazy. The body breaks down. And Paul says, if we're in Christ, the inner self 
is being renewed day by day. And then he makes this statement, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory that is beyond all comparison. Now, now this, this can sound a little offensive if you're, if you're in one of those seasons in the desert or you're in one of those seasons of physical struggle. Listen to this. Think about the most painful, physical ailment that you've ever experienced. Think about the most difficult, physical struggle you've ever walked through. In the moment, it does not feel light. In the moment, it does not feel momentary. It feels like it will never go away. It's, it's painful. It hurts. We don't want this pain. And yet the word of God says, if your hope is in the eternal life that is beyond this life, there is coming a day for you where you will be feeling the eternal weight of glory shining on you in the presence uh, of Christ himself. And in that glorious celebration of eternal life, you might think about that horrible, painful ailment that you walk through and you'll go, oh, that was like a hangnail. Because in the sight of an eternal God who loves you, and he's given you everything you need. Anything that we walk through in this life is light and momentary compared to the promise of eternity. Forget not the benefits of God. Forget not the promise of eternal life for those who are in Christ. And then, and this is where we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this whole thing together. Verse 17, we see another promise of God. Psalm 103, verse 17, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's children. What is the promise of God we see here? God uses your faithfulness today to impact tomorrow. God uses your faithfulness today to impact tomorrow. God uses your faithfulness today to perhaps impact a tomorrow you will not see. God uses your faithfulness today to perhaps impact some tomorrow that you won't even know by name. This is an unbelievable promise of God to the people of God. You have no idea what God wants to do through you in future generations. You have no idea what God wants to do years from now through your faithfulness today. I, I love to think about this because, because I think about what God has done in our own family. I had a great, great grandfather, excuse me, a great grandfather, a great grandfather that I never knew named Lewis Hanley Wright. Never met him, heard a lot about him. He was a pastor. He was a good, faithful man. He raised his four children to love Jesus, to, to follow after Jesus. And one of his four children, my grandfather, who I'm named after, George Bryant Wright Sr., is the greatest man of God I've ever known. Greatest man of God I've ever known. And my grandfather, George Sr., he raised four kids. 
pointed them to the truth of God's word. One of his kids, his oldest, my dad, George Bryant Wright Jr., becomes a pastor, raises his kids to, to, to follow Jesus. I'm forever grateful for the faithfulness of my dad, for the faithfulness that he inherited from his dad, who inherited it from his dad. And even though I've never met Lewis Hanley Wright, someday I will. And I'll get to thank him for his faithfulness that impacted my life, even though we never met. Church, I just, I just want to ask us, are we thinking that way? Are we thinking about what we're thinking about as it relates to future generations? Are we thinking about what we're thinking about as it relates to our great grandkids who we may never meet? Are we thinking about what God wants to do through us today to, to demonstrate to future generations how faithful he truly is? Remember the promises of God. The promises of God say to you that if you are in Christ, your faithfulness today, it impacts tomorrow. Remember the provision of God, the gift of his salvation we wrap up this psalm, verses 19 through 22, remembering the power of God. And this is where we go straight back into worship to close. Verses 19 through 22 say, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who, do, who does his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. What are we seeing here? We are being reminded when we see the provision of God in and forget not his benefits. When we see the promises of God and forget not his benefits, we are getting to see the power of God as all of the heavenly beings and all of creation points to the glory of God in worship. And church, that's what you and I were created for. We were created to join with the heavenly host. We were created to join with all of creation, declaring the wonder and the majesty of our God. He is sovereign and he is reigning over all. And when you say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, I will not forget what you have done. You are joining with all of creation and all of the heavenlies, declaring the power of our God. So think about what you're thinking about. Because our God is faithful. He has provided. And he will fulfill his promises. And he has given you the power that you need to do what he has called you to do. Think about what you're thinking about. And bless the Lord. Let me pray for us. As we close, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. It is living, it is active, it is powerful, it speaks to our hearts. Thank you for laying before us what we need to see. I pray that your spirit would continue to move among us, that we would take from today whatever it is that you desire for us to take and live as we remember what you have done. Father, I want to pray specifically for those among us today 
who have never received this gift of your provision of salvation. They've never, they've never even maybe heard or experienced the promises of your faithfulness. They, they, they've never received the power of the Holy Spirit of God in their life because they've yet to trust and follow you in faith. Maybe they're here today, like we discussed earlier, feeling unworthy because of things they've done. Maybe they feel like they're living in the midst of a dark pit. Maybe, maybe they, they feel like they're in a desert right now and, and they've never experienced what the word of God just laid before us. Father, I pray today that you would give them the faith to say, Jesus, I need you. A simple prayer that changes everything because you are the God who saves. Jesus, I need you. I can't fix my life. I can't clean it up enough. I need forgiveness. I can't pull myself out of this pit. I don't have the strength. I need a savior. Jesus, I need you. Come and save me. Thank you, Lord, for being the God who saves. I pray that anyone who is praying that prayer right now, I pray that they would see your faithfulness, see your provision, I pray that they would experience a new story because of who you are and what you've done. Thank you for the incredible gift of your provision. Thank you for the incredible gift of your promise. We trust you. We trust you in your power as the one who reigns over all. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.